Welcome to ReCommerce, a podcast for e-commerce wearable brands navigating technical complexity and change. Brought to you by Command-C. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of ReCommerce. I'm Sarah, the founder of Command-C, and today I'm here with Nicole, our sales and marketing manager. Hey, Nicole. Hi there, Sarah. Great to be here. Likewise. So today we're going to do our official, unofficial 2019 (laughs) year in review as it relates to e-commerce. Doing it in October. Yes. The year in review thus far. Yeah. The year in review thus far. A lot has happened this year and already, um, and everybody knows that, um, fourth quarter is not a time for us to be talking about anything else other than the holidays. So that's why we're doing this now. Sounds great. So we've been reflecting a lot on what has happened in the world of e-commerce in the last nine months. And um, I think we have some really, you know, interesting and compelling points of reflection. The first few are They're not new ideas by any stretch of the imagination um, or new topics, but it has seemed like as these things relate to the world of e-commerce, there have been some pretty deep evolutions this year. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think the one that comes foremost to mind is just that 2019 is the year that luxury brands landed in Mm -hmm. e-commerce. There was a really interesting article that came out in Women's Wear Daily in April, and they noted that the average age of a luxury buyer is now 34 years old, and that's down Mm -hmm. from 48 years old. So luxury is now serving a younger audience, and Mm -hmm. that younger audience just expects, I mean, I look, I think we all do, but particularly younger people don't, younger consumers barely know a time before online shopping. So Mm -hmm. those brands to serve the shifting demographic, they've got to come online. And the good news is a lot of them are really delivering. Um, It's been really exciting to see. You know, the other interesting component of luxury online is just that there's an element of luxury, like by the very nature of being luxurious, you're saying, you know, high quality, um, you know, uh, exceptional customer service and things like that, which has also, I think those brands have had a bit of a, you know, like they've been hesitant to believe that they can communicate that online. Mm -hmm. Um, But sure enough, they are. Yeah. Yeah, I think like really what you're saying is it's not that these brands like just came online in 2019. It's that luxury was finally reflected in the online experience in 2019. Exactly. Exactly. Um, You know, an example that comes to mind is the Gucci site. I would Mm -hmm. really encourage people to take a look at that. They do shopping from their runway collection. And so you can kind of, you know, uh, flip through the different 
uh, outfits that they put together for the runway and then shop, you know, by that look. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's really great. You know, there's also been, um, there's, there's brands that are doing a lot more about exclusivity. So for example, you know, prior to when a new collection is launched, like you can join their waiting list um, so that you get first look at the new collection online. Or, you know, there's kind of this coming soon, you know, anticipation thing, which, you know, luxury has a lot of that to it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like you're in the club. So mm-hmm. communicating that online. Yeah, I think also, you know, a challenge that I've seen in the past for luxury brands who are trying to make the transition online is around customer service. I mean, you know, like luxury and white glove service go hand in hand. And and I think I've seen and I've seen some brands struggle in the past with how to replicate that experience in the online arena. Absolutely. I mean, you definitely don't want to be disappointed when you think of some of these brands that have legendary service and then to not get that experience translated. Um, One company I thought just is doing a fantastic job is Dior. And just it's a very simple thing they do, but I think it's so smart, which is where when you're on the Dior site and you have a question, you can leave your phone number with them and a Dior expert will call you to answer your questions. And I think that's just such that that really communicates like, yes, that's how this should go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I shouldn't be chasing any answers here. Yeah. Like, part of the luxury is that like you help me uh, right. with, <laughs> with what I need. So thank you right. so much. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. All right. So shifting gears to our next topic, um, you know, again, this is not a new topic, um, but but what I have really seen is that, um, you know, it feels like this year, globally, folks have really started to take sustainability um, more seriously than than they have before. Like climate change is the challenge of our time. Absolutely. And similarly, you know, e-commerce is the um, consumer model of our time. So, so both of these things are here to stay. Um, both of these things are still like relatively, you know, in the grand scheme of things, young ideas. Mm-hmm. But I think this year, what we've seen is the merging of these two sectors in a way that we hadn't before. I agree. I agree. And that's, it's been really exciting to see. It makes me think one of my favorite pieces of news from this year has been a study that came out of MIT. And they did a test where basically, you know, at checkout, they set up a model e-commerce site. And as people in the study were checking their, you know, purchasing their products and checking out in the in the shipping selection, when they were determining the shipping method, the study highlighted that you, you know, you could get it super fast as is often one of the options, or you could select a different option that would get your package to you in a slower way, but it would, would have less of a footprint on the environment. I believe it said that it would, it would save a certain amount, a certain number of trees. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, 52% of the people in that study chose the slower shipping method. 
So mm-hmm. I just love how that's just, you know, I, I believe when, when you and I were talking about it a while back, like you talked about the nudging element of that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I've seen lots of other innovative approaches to this as well. Like, you know, lots of kind of product recycling of returns options and um, scrap material recycling and even custom custom orders, custom orders where companies have decided that, you know, we just don't want to stock a lot of inventory that's going to end up in a landfill. Like, you know, here we have the technological means to send me in your measurements send me in like if you want this dress with a long sleeve or a short sleeve mm-hmm. or a v-neck or a crew neck and we'll make it for you and send it right to you rather than like a warehouse of, of um, stock that's not going to go used I think that's just mm-hmm. fantastic yeah it's it's innovative and it's appropriate and um, it also reminds me of what Patagonia is doing where they've created a whole separate site to sell used Patagonia goods you know and mm-hmm. it's like yeah it's a beloved brand like it makes total sense and is totally symbiotic with you know their brand voice and it appears to do really well absolutely I agree. I agree. And, you know, the other, when thinking of kind of big themes of 2019 thus far, um, the other one that comes to my mind is the leaps forward in personalization, you know? Mm -hmm. And one of the things I find really interesting is just, you know, kind of what we were talking about with the luxury brands where it's just you know, tricky to try to communicate something like exclusivity on a website that's available to everyone, you know, like there's a paradox there. In personalization, that paradox is like this idea of like, how are you going to communicate sizing digitally? You know, but wait a minute, I'm three three dimensions, and I'm looking at this on a two dimension screen, how is that going to work? And I just have been really impressed by the efforts that innovative retailers are making to get that point across. Um, mm-hmm. And there's all sorts of things happening, you know, around like you, you submit your measurements to a website, create a profile, and then that website, you know, that, that brand forever has your measurements available for you as you shop, you know, like think about the customer loyalty factor on that is really cool mm-hmm. too, you know, yeah. and, uh, or like custom fit binders and things like this, where, you know, I'm thinking of another company where you can submit the measurements of like your, your favorite garment. So like for you know, let's say like pants, which are, you know, can be kind of hard to fit. If you have a favorite pair of jeans, like you submit to the brand, like, okay, I have this brand of jeans. I already love, this is their size. This is the inseam, you know, give all the stats there. And then again, that brand has that information and now you're shopping based on the information about your own size. Like it's super cool. Yeah. And I think what's enabled that is like the technology is finally there. You know, I think in all three things that we've talked about, it's like, again, you know, these ideas aren't new, but the technology has caught up with um, innovative thinking to, to where, you know, they're possible and they're possible within a reasonable budget at this point in time. And, and that's just a really... It's an exciting time to be in this space. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, exactly what I love about that MIT study is it's literally like adding 
you know, a button that says you can make a more environmentally friendly decision here. Do you want to do that? And people are choosing yes. Yeah. Yeah. Super exciting. You're listening to ReCommerce, a podcast for e-commerce wearable brands navigating technical complexity and change. Brought to you by Command-C, a development team that saves e-commerce retailers from outdated tech and ineffective operations, with a strong focus on Magento and Shopify+. Plus. You can learn more about how we help at commandc.com. So we just talked a bit about personalization, and this next trend is an offshoot of personalization, and maybe the one I'm most excited about on this list, and that has to do with progressive web apps. So a progressive web app is a site that is still web-based, so it's not an app. It's not something that the user has to go to the app store and download. Um, but it is built specifically for the experience of the device at hand. Hmm. In the def- in the responsive landscape, you're really starting with one kind of device as your main um, as the main device that you're targeting, and then you're adapting that same website to um, fit on other devices. Whereas in a progressive web app you're actually, you know, really building the site from the perspective of the device on which it's being used. So it might be completely different from, you know, not we're not talking about the brand, but the way that information on the page is delivered might take a very different approach um, than the desktop environment. And this is just a further extension of ways to personalize an experience based on the device that's being used. Um, Lancome has a really interesting example of this where they tailor their content differently. And, And some of the content that you experience on desktop is just not there because it's because it's not as relevant to the mobile experience mm-hmm. or it's delivered mm-hmm. completely differently on the mobile experience than it is on the desktop experience. And this just opens up a, a whole world of um, innovation and it gets around the barrier of um, having an app, which, uh, you know, we've, we've never been a company that builds apps and it's, it's always been a bit philosophical for us because there's just such a barrier to entry to asking a user to go to the app store and download something sure. when, you know, browsing on the web is is what they do yeah. and it's easy and it there's no extra steps there. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's interesting when you just go to landcomb.com and like it suddenly you're having a very easy mobile experience and like just went right there. I didn't download a thing. It's great. Yep. Um, it's really cool to hear that about that technology. Um, what other kind of innovations in tech, retail tech, are you seeing that you're thinking about these days? Another technical aspect of e-commerce that I've I've been seeing evolving quite a bit is around product visualization. Um, there are more and more third parties emerging that um, you know are are lending themselves to creating three D model assets. And um, at, at Unite this year, Shopify announced that 
their product section will natively support video and 3D model assets. So I think that the barrier to entry to companies being able to um, show their products more holistically is decreasing. I have seen that um, tools and technologies and, um, you know, companies that really specialize in 3D model rendering aren't quite there yet. You know, the the technology is there, but there's still usually a high barrier to entry in terms of time and and cost. But I think that we're almost there. And uh, I've, I've really seen, you know, the the, the platforms that support these other things evolving to to support them and and you know not in the wearable space but I think a lot about um, where this has really caught up this year is in in um, the real estate market so I don't know if you ever like you know browse real estate sites or whatever but it's, it's become yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, you know not so great habit of mine, but, um, um, you know, 3d home tours, like there's lots of kind of out of the box technology that supports that kind of thing now. And, um, I believe that, um, I also heard recently that Adobe has announced some, um, new advances around augmented reality and 3d imaging. So anyways, I've just, I've, I've seen this, um, becoming a growing trend this year and it might not be 100% there but it is it 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 will be a thing of 2020 I was going to say I, this is like predictions 2020 yeah, yeah. okay yeah and then um the other thing that i've really seen um you know not only it evolve in terms of the technology but be a, adopted um on a wider basis this year are chatbots. And I think that that's reflective of the demographic who are um, shopping online and wanting this technology being ever prevalent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kind of, and I think it's particularly useful for like frequently asked questions, right? Like I think probably every retailer could name, here's the four things we are asked every day, you know, and chatbots can really just help knock those out for you. Absolutely. And I I read recently that, I can't remember where I read it, but something like 60% of consumers say that they prefer digital self-serve tools. I know I do if I'm going to get the answer Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. I need through them. Um, I also know that the time it takes to make a phone call and sit on hold is statistically much higher than it is to to get someone online via a chat bot. So that is something that has really, you know, stepped up its game and, and frequency this That's year. That's a great point. I mean, if, if you're not Dior calling your customers, I think this is a great <laughs> alternative. Absolutely. Well, you know, those were our top trends of of 2019. The year is is not over yet, but I'm I'm pretty sure they'll hold strong. And thanks for, for talking about it today. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. We hope you join us again for another episode of ReCommerce. 